0: Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Nerd vs. World. I'm Brendan, your host, and I am joined today by Dr. Jennifer Otter-Bickerdijk, where we'll be discussing Vinyl. And why it matters.
1: I like the way this is going already.
0: It's a pleasure to talk to you, Jen. How are you doing?
1: You know, what? I'm actually pretty good. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm good. It's been quite busy since the book came out, and um, it has been a whirlwind to see how many people have gotten excited about it, way more than I thought so far. So it's been great.
0: Well, I think it's a topic that really appeals to a lot of people, not just because there's a current wave of nostalgia around everything old at the moment, but vinyl has a resonance with that collector mentality of nerds whether it's comic book nerds collecting their comics or music nerds collecting their vinyl
1: no absolutely i mean i am one of those nerds and you know my obsession with collecting has spawned spawned and spanned you know like thousands and thousands of records and cds and decades and decades of my life uh and there's a lot of times when i'd be like i have to get this pixie's b-side even though i have all these songs somewhere else this one has a different cover than anything else and so i'm that kind of collector like i want to be as completist as i possibly can
0: yeah i, I think comic book fans can relate to that as well there's the whole variant cover issue with comics where a single issue might have three or four different covers and you have to collect them it just all.
1: sucks because you know you're being taken for a ride you know what i mean like you know that it that it's, it's a marketing thing but at the same time there's like this obsession. It you can't even it can't even explain it to people that aren't into it. Like it's just you it's a need that you cannot express to anyone unless they are also into the same culture as you are. Um and one thing I really found found when I was writing Why Vinyl Matters is this kind of return to the visible physical culture of collecting. And what I mean by that, definitely you as a comic book fan will relate to this but the, the physicality in terms of if you have a comic book on an iPod or an iPad, it's, it's secret, it's invisible. And the same, if you have music and MP3 on your computer, there's no art, there's no visual to it. There's no real history around it. And that is something that I think people are missing in their life. And that's been a huge part of the resurgence and interest in vinyl.
0: Yeah. I think that's a point made in one of your interviews in the book. Um, I think it, I can't remember who it was now. I want to say Norman Cook, but it probably wasn't. Um where he talks about how if you have your music on your iTunes library, it doesn't define you. It doesn't make you special because everyone has the same music through Spotify. But the vinyl separates you because having the vinyl shows yourself. It shows your taste. So it's much the same as comics on the iPad versus comics in long boxes on your shelf.
1: Yeah, I mean like one thing that Norman Norman said um is that people used to come up to him and say, Oh, I have all of your records. And it was a big deal. Like I, I am purchasing. so I'm, I'm voting for you with my money, but I'm also voting for you in terms of physically having something that you created, taking up physical space in my house and and in my life. And now he says, people come up to him to do pictures or whatever. They like never have anything to sign. They just want to take a picture of him. So it's like the music has become, second to the the celebrity part of it and that is really really sad we were both saying um and that was kind of a theme that got repeated over and over again also cut chemist said i mean you know he here's someone that has over ten thousand records he said it was really interesting that you know and i find this all the time you will like lose songs between that hard drive or this hard drive just today actually i was looking for a song called i got a man by positive k And I could have, I've had it before. And like, I'm looking on on my iTunes library. I'm like, where the hell did this song go? Like is just literally disappeared into the ether versus if I had it on a 12 inch vinyl record, I could just go and grab it out of my shelf. You know what I mean? And that's a big, that's a big difference. I mean, we're, we're so beholden this, and this is going to sound, I mean, I'm the worst. We're so beholden to technology at this point that like, you know, like today I was having issues with my iTunes on my computer and I was just like, oh my God, you know, like if the iTunes goes down the computer, then it's like, what's going to happen with the iPhone and the, this and the, that. And I think that's one, one of the things that is so appealing about vinyl is that it does force you to physically get up, walk across the room, flip the record over. It phys- it It makes you have to stop even for a second. Like you can't, you can't really do two things at once when you're putting a vinyl record on. You have to put it on the record player. And that's that's a really big difference to the way that we live our lives now when we're constantly multitasking and depending on on virtuality that does not necessarily have a place or a space.
0: Yeah, that's one of the recurring themes, I think, in the interviews that you do is the idea of the ritual of vinyl, the ritual of listening to music. Do you think kids have that today?
1: You know, I'm not a kid, so I'm I'm a 40-something yet look very young. I want to add to your your uh your listeners, I look at le- I look at least 40. I could get I could dip <laughs> down in 30. Um I'm not you know I'm not a young kid, but I will say this. The importance I was teaching a class the other day and I said these are 18 and 19 year olds I, at university, I said, well, Do you guys know what a music subculture is? And there's 20 of them in the room and not one person knew what a music subculture was. And I had to explain to them what what a goth was and it's like, how do I explain what a goth is when that's something that's been such a huge part of, you know, being a punk, being a goth, like that's been such a huge part of my identity and my values and my ethos and how I've made friends and the guys I've dated and all these things. How do you explain succinctly to someone how the subculture and the music all go together? It's very difficult. And I, that's completely missing now. Like now, you know, when I was when I was growing up in the 80s. You had to go to the bad, dangerous side of town to get the cool indie records, or to get the hair dye, or to get the, um, you know, the bomber jacket. And now you can go into pretty much any high street in England or any hot topic in America, and uh, you have all those items there next to you know the the stuff that was once dangerous and edgy and was publicly proclaiming your place as you know, a different from other people, that's just as normalized as the gap. Now you were asking me, do kids have that or miss that? And my answer is my succinct answer is yes. I think that kids do totally miss that. Um, and I think it's something that I can't ever see it coming back because part of what made subcultures and vinyl and all these things important was the, the, the ability for, if you would a certain scene to be like incubated in a specific geographical area
0: yeah and of which the the record store played an important role because it was the cultural hub
1: yeah exactly and now you just go on to the interwebs and also i think the anonymity i can't say that word but um the fact that you can just go online and be you know you can basically make up a total persona you can be a complete jerk you know like you couldn't be like that. If you were going down to the the club where they're being PIL, you know, yeah. you had to be authentic, or at least know that you weren't authentic and be okay with that. If that makes any sense. And now it's just everything is so anonymous that there's none of none of that value is yeah, is is in it at all.
0: That's really interesting. Like from anecdotally, from my own point of view as well, uh, from my experience of lecturing over the last four years or so it's become harder and harder to look at somebody and know what music they were into.
1: Oh, B, you know, what's funny about that is I just had that. I said that in a lecture actually on Monday. I said, um, if you go back to like the early two thousands, when I was teaching, you could just, you could go around the room and be like, Oh, you're wearing this. You like a, B and C band and you like this kind of beer and you shop at this store. And even, you know, and like you said, it's just gotten more and more and more homogenized. I mean, there's definitely an argument for that's great. Like there's not all these barriers, but what's missing is the framework of, like I keep saying, like values and culture and importance to some of the things, you know, you have kids that have nose piercings and, you know, their whole face is pierced basically, and they have pink hair and they have no idea where that came from and the reason it's important where it came from is if you have to kind of understand the past to be able to to really kind of move forward in the future in in a in a really meaningful way and it just it seems like we're moving faster and faster towards idiocracy that movie if you've ever seen it um but yeah vinyl records
0: so where did the obsession start for you
1: i have always you know i've never been like to be honest i've never been like vinyl or die that's never really been my my jam I've always been like music or die, like music's the most important thing to me. And even at the high CDs, even at the height when nobody was making vinyl, I still, going back to that collector thing, I was still obsessed. Like I get, I became obsessed. And we're talking about like the early 2000s with, with collecting every single 12 inch of the Pixies and the Cure and Rocket from the Crypt. So I have this huge collection of the most unpopular format you know what i mean of anything um of these records so i never stopped liking vinyl or loving vinyl but i mean my one of my my first memory is of put like my mom and dad gave me a fisher price record player and i had i had my own records like i had 101 dalmatians and i got bored of it pretty quickly and so i started stealing my parents records and playing them on this um really kind of crappy you know system and pretty much destroying my parents' records with this fat needle of the Fisher Price, but you know, I was I was that kid that was like four singing Billy Joel songs at the top of my lungs in uh, Safeway, which is like the Sainsburys of the U.S.
0: Oh, we had a Safeway over here as well.
1: Oh, do you? Where's Where's their Safeway here?
0: It's 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 Morrison's now, but it used to be Safeway.
1: Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. There's this Billy Joel song that has the lyrics "You just stay at home and masturbate," and of course, I had no idea what that meant, but like. I would steal. I loved just loved his voice when I was growing up, and so I used to always steal the record with that on it, play it on my in my area on my Fisher Price record player, and I just remember being in the middle Safeway, singing that loudly, being probably four or five years old, much to I'm sure my mom's absolute mortification. Um, another thing that that it is, it's really about for me. It's interlaced with uh, being in my hometown of Santa Cruz, and and my grandparents. My grandparents were hugely into music, and like you know on Thanksgiving we would go surfing. And after dinner and then we would come back and my grandfather would just put on one jazz record after another. So there's something about that, like that kind of family and value and uh, and just like a specialness to it thats I've 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 always had there in my mind as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably going to be quite a common thing for a lot of people who are listening as well. Um, family certainly, from my point of view, were a big influence on my musical tastes and my first vinyl experience is probably every Christmas my folks would put on Carols from Kings on vinyl. There's something about hearing it on vinyl that makes Christmas feel more like Christmas. Oh,
1: yeah. There's a record. I mean, I probably spent like 40 pounds on it. John Denver and the Muppets Christmas album, right? And like, I bought it a couple years ago. I already had it. Like, I already had the MP3s and I had the CD. I wanted the yeah. vinyl record. And like, it's exactly like you said. Like, I just remember the day after Thanksgiving, then it would officially be Christmas. And I was allowed to bust out all the Christmas albums. And put them all on. And it just, it's not the same. With the, It just isn't the same. I'm not sure why, but it isn't. Unless, you know, unless it's the vinyl format.
0: Okay. So that obsession then led to this book.
1: This book came out of, I was sitting with my literary agent. And um, another one of my big, it's funny because here I am saying, oh, I'm a punk. I'm a goth. Like recovering. Da, 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 da. But as you know about me, I like, there's a lot of different things I'm super into. And one of them is what is called Yacht Rock.
0: Yeah, I remember this. Hall of notes, right?
1: Well, yep, yeah, of notes. It's like it's Christopher Cross, very cool, ex-New Yorker, wears all black, very chic. And I and I was I'm, I was trying to sell her for for Donkey's years. I was just like, I'm telling you, dude, this yacht rock, yacht rock, yacht rock. Bleh, I can't speak. Yacht rock. But, can you say it for me? Yacht rock. Yacht rock. Thank you. This is this is what we need to do. And she was just like, Why do you like it so much? And I'm like. I just went off about how there's nothing like throwing on a Dewey brothers record. Da, 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 da. And it was always record. It was never CD. It was never, you know, it was, it was always record that I said. And so she's, so she said, you know, why don't you think about doing a book about records you like instead? And like why v- records matter? I, I didn't really have an idea, like a real solid idea of exactly how it was going to to look or be, um, but I really remember like sitting with her and that we met up with my, my attorney and like the three of us were just like, how should this book be? Like, who should we ask to be in it? And it kind of naturally evolved. Like I made a, I made a list of all the people like I would love to talk to, like my dream list. And I was really lucky because I got a lot of them. Like one of my top people who I have so much respect for and love and adore is, um, Henry Rollins. Yeah. And he was he was probably one of the first people like first celebrities to be like, this is an awesome idea. Let's do this. And, uh, and give his name to the book, which was great. And then the second was Lars Ulrich from Metallica. I, th- I think he's lovely and wonderful. Like he did an interview for me before I even had a, a book contract and was very much like, you know, if my name can help you get a book contract for this, then please use it. So that's how, that's how the idea started. And it just started off kind of like what you and I were talking about like conversations, like, me talking to Lars Ulrich about his vinyl memories and first record he bought and that whole relationship. So it it was, and, you know, you forget that you're talking to this world renowned icon because you're talking in the language of something that you both love, AK music, aka vinyl records. So that was really fun from a personal standpoint to do, doing the book.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at the cover and I'm looking at the guys you're interviewing on there and it was Rollins and uh, Fat Mike, Nick Hornby and Lars that sold me on buying the book. I was just like, I'm, I'm having this book because I want to hear what they say. And I find it quite interesting, the contrast between, say, Rollins' view on vinyl and Nick Hornby's view on vinyl, because they seem to be completely opposite. Yeah. Like, Rollins is saying that there isn't a nanosecond of music on Spotify, uh, unless it's on vinyl, it doesn't really count. Whereas when you ask Nick Hornby why vinyl matters, he's like, well, it doesn't really that matter that much what matters is the music they sound to be complete opposites did you find when you were interviewing people that those who were actively involved in the creation of music held a more idealized image of vinyl and those who liked the music and were more commentators like hornby took a different approach
1: you know that's a really that's a really really good question because I thought that fa- the well in the the thing that my favorite part of that Nick and Nick Hornby was another one that I'm like oh my god if I got Nick Hornby, that would be ridiculous. Be- obviously because of high fidelity, like
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: He kind of brought that archetype of the nerd, rec you know the making a list, the kind of record store employee obsessive, to a global marketplace and out of a small subculture. So he kind of he created that in a in a lot of people's minds like what that looks like and so his opinions i found fascinating because that's that that book is what broke his career and those characters uh are what really you know put him on the map and yet he's saying it doesn't really matter that much but at the end of his interview what he says is i love this that vinyl is the only uh format that has not been messed around with and what he means by that is you can only record music or maybe you could say you could put comedy on vinyl. Like, there's no like, put this vinyl record in your computer or instructions on vinyl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not been s- f- spoiled by anything like that. And I thought that was quite profound. And that's kind of what I found with people that were not necessarily making music, like you said, more a commentator, is they had a kind of a more global, detached view of it versus Rollins. It's such a personal thing for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And, um, with Fatboy boy, actually I found one of the things I did find is some of the interviews I did. Like I did one with, with, um, fab five, Freddy, who's a hip hop, hip hop and graffiti artist, like legendary. And I found with him, like, he's like, it doesn't matter. Nobody uses it anymore. It's crap. It's, it's a pain in the butt. Like he was so negative about it. I'm like, Oh my God, how am I ever going to use this for my book? Uh, but that's fine too. Like, that makes it, it's important then in memory in some of those cases, not necessarily in the present, if that makes sense. Like, yep. final is what helped some of these people get to where they are, unless they're the format that they're using currently.
0: So where do you think the format's heading?
1: I get that a lot. Like, is this just like a, what do you call it? Like a um a fad? Like, is it going to go out with the beard and, and kale? You know what I mean? And like super <laughs> yeah. juices. Is, is it just one of those? and you know it's easy to say no it's going to stay forever i think what's going to happen hopefully what I'm, i should say what i'm hoping happens is that you know we're not going to stop streaming ever And i think i mean streaming, streaming is and will continue to be the main form i think of the way that people consume music but i think one of the things the vinyl resurgence shows us is how important like we were talking about earlier the physicality of vinyl is extremely important um and so i think vinyl will always be here to some degree like You know, I've lived through the mini-disc. Dare I bring that up? Uh, You know, when I was a little kid, there was the 8-track. People don't go back to those, but vinyl has just persevered, and there's a reason for that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, because what is it about vinyl that makes it so special, I wonder? Because we've moved away from DVDs and Blu-rays, arguably, with Netflix streaming. So I don't see the same fascination with collecting videos or collecting DVDs that people have with collecting vinyl.
1: I think the thing is, like... I'm trying to think, and you know, you probably can pull something off. Like, I can think of the Endless Summer, which is a surfing movie. But what what is a movie cover that has spawned like a million imitations? and has become an icon in and of itself, the way that like Division's Unknown Pleasures has.
0: Two so I can think of that come to mind would be Jaws and dressing park
1: yeah we could probably think of a lot of of vinyl covers though you know what i mean from from yeah regardless of if it's nirvana nirvana never mind to you know like a, the beatles abbey road so there's something about that 12 by 12 format as a piece of art that i think is ear is unreplaceable it's like the perfect size for making a statement or for a canvas for somebody to put their vision onto. so there's that part of it and then i also think i think the fact that it's such a pain in the butt now like it's a pain in the butt to store i've one thing i'm finding i have a lot of my records are still in america at my friend's house in storage and i don't remember what's there and what's not there and i've not brought them to the uk yet because it's still it's very expensive to send them you know what i mean um and so the space that vinyl takes up and just all the things that make it there great about it are the same things that make it obsolete but that's good in a way because it just shows that you're more dedicated if you would and it's an experience versus something passive which music has become quite passive in our lives okay that's
0: a good point yeah I, th- I think the, the art of the vinyl cover is probably a big a big factor in that I hadn't considered that quite so much
1: and also I don't know like, as you're a little bit younger than me like the liner notes are something that a lot of people mentioned in the interviews and that was a big thing like looking at the liner notes and being like oh my god like this person worked on this record and this record like you know growing up in the 80s i loved prince oh my god prince wrote but i'd never heard when you are mine until it was on a cindy Lauper record and it was like seeing those kind of connections um or even like as i got older like in college seeing that uh john penny from ned's atomic Despin his girlfriend had like helped design the album covers, and I was super jealous because I thought he was really hot then. I was like, "Who is this woman?" So it, it acts as this kind of guide to what's going on behind the scenes and collaborations and relationships. That it's like it pulls the the liner notes pull the curtain back a little bit on yeah. behind the scenes stuff that you as a listener otherwise wouldn't know.
0: Yeah, I, I guess I had the same experience with cassette because I think vinyl vinyl wasn't a thing in my hometown when I was when I was a kid. So it was all cassettes for me. But yeah. I, Getting a cassette and unfolding the inlay to read the lyrics and read the production notes is a similar thing. So I totally get that.
1: And I mean, I'm not a hater on cassettes. Like, I was just saying to one of my friends yesterday, the other day that, you know, like, he and I are both total vinyl nerds. We're both like, oh my god, we wish we had. He still has, like, a dual cassette recorder, which I'm super jealous of. Um, but I was saying to him, I'm like, oh, I wish I had one because I'd love to make you a mixtape. Like I love a good mixtape, but you know I remember some records like The Cure, "Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me." I had to buy that three different times as cassette because the cassette kept breaking because it was so thin. Yeah, and like with you're you're talking about like unflin the the liner notes, you know, like they were, like perforated so they could fold and they would fall apart. It just it just wasn't the same as the experience. I would say
0: that's fair. Yeah, uh, cassettes um, unspooling and breaking. Though I had to buy Michael Jackson Bad like three times as well. I think
1: exactly. You can't be without Michael Jackson Bad ever. Period. That was a joke. Though <laughs> so that record has Man in the Mirror, which I think is one of the most beautiful songs ever written. So yeah, poignant. So you know, I I I never hate on Jacko. I love Jacko. Nah,
0: no, it was the first album I ever bought.
1: Good choice
0: for myself. Yeah. Okay, well, bringing it back to the book. Then, where can people find it?
1: You can find it on Amazon, of course. But if you want to help support an independent retailer, if you're listening to this and you're in the UK, you can find it at Rough Trade online, which is an awesome independent record store chain. Or you can find it at Powell's, which is a awesome bookstore in the United States, if you happen to be there. So those are the places I would, I would send people to go grab it.
0: Cool. We'll put um, links to the website in the show notes.
1: Oh, that would be fab. I mean... One thing that's become really important, I think, is just sorting uh, the independent retailers. Like that's lately since the books come out, especially I've had probably three or four places in my hometown, Santa Cruz, go, independent places I grew up, including one place that was a book and record store that had been there for over 40 years, go out of business because people are shopping online and I'm just as guilty. And I mean, I'm like the queen of Amazon. But I think there is something to be said of trying to support the individual culture and, um, you know, ecosystems of our local independently owned shops.
0: Yeah, we had our local comic shop closed back in July.
1: So depressing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Yes, that was my next question, I guess. Leads in quite well. What do you think? comic shops can learn from record shops, because record stores went away for a while. Brick-and-mortar record stores disappeared, but they are coming back. I know some of them are differentiating, like Truck in Cowley Road, for example, has a coffee shop too, but Rise in Worcester does okay, just being a pure record store. Now, comic shops, sadly, seem to be going the same way. The move has been to either online distribution of a physical product, or um, comicsology format, where you have it on Kindles and iPads. What could other mediums learn from record stores and vinyl and how they've managed to come back and make a difference
1: that's a really really good question and i think the main thing that i I mean there's so many things crossovers that comics and record stores and records have and a big part of it is that place where you know you it's the one place that you traditionally until the the internet you knew you could go and find other people that were interested in what you were interested in and again, that face to face physicality is something that we absolutely take for granted now i mean, and and with the convenience of the web, we've lost that. I think one thing that comic stores can learn is how to make it more of a place that people want to hang out and stay in so whether it's putting in a coffee bar, whether it is having like meet and greets with famous um famous writers. Or doing meetups there of people that like specific comics. Like, how do you how do you make it a physical hub, and how do you make it important? I think that's really really. I mean it it it's it's kind of a pain in the butt because really what these places should be is stocking the best material that reflects what their their customers want. But in the economy we are living in, success demands that you are more than just a place to purchase an item. That's what I would say. Brilliant. Are we on to the five movies now?
0: <laughs> oh, I gave you a heads up on that, didn't I?
1: Okay, yes.
0: Okay, so yeah. Typically, uh, we will ask, I guess, to give us five movies that they would recommend to anybody. They don't have to be brilliant. They don't have to be world beaters or uh, masterpieces. But literally, if somebody else mentions that film to you, you're instantly friends with them because of a shared love of it. Those sort of films.
1: So for me, the number one movie that would fall in that category is The Lost Boys. And The Lost Boys holds a really important meaning to me because it was shot in my hometown of Santa Cruz, California. And that movie transformed my viewpoint on the place I lived and came from. Because when I was growing up there, it had kind of a dark, seedy underside of drugs and homelessness but also, it had this beautiful cult- surf culture and hippie vibe, which I still absolutely love about it. And the and the Lost Boys really captured that. And the way that they portrayed the fear and like kind of that darker side with the vampires and it was just so awesome to see them capture something that was there in a cinemat- cinematography that reflected the reality. If that makes any sense. Yeah. It- and even recently, I was gonna say I, I met I met a friend. Um, we've been friends for like a month but I absolutely love him. He's like my new favorite person. He and I were just like talking about vinyl. He bought the book. He's like, the book is great. He's really into records. And then I posted on my Facebook that I just had bought these Corey Haim and Corey Feldman who are of course the frog brothers and lost boys. I'd purchased these like badges with that were their faces. And this dude, the vinyl guy, he emailed me. He was like, that is so weird. Cause he he'd purchased the same ones completely as not talking to each other he purchased the same ones like three months ago. And so that of course like opened up the whole conversation about, Oh my God, this, that, the other like 10 million Corey jokes. And then like, just like sending each other random pictures of like Nanook and Corey Ham That's the dog that, that Corey Ham has, you know, that's number one. Lost boys is number one with the bullet.
0: Yeah. That's an awesome film. Um And I think shamefully, that's the first entry on our list. The first time it's on. It's thirty years this year as well isn't it
1: it is, yeah. yeah, I love it, like if someone says they like that movie and that's that, like if it has like the if it means, if it means as much to other people as it means to me, then I'm like, I fucking love you, and you're and not gonna be best because there's just so many and the other thing is I watched it probably like two years ago, I was actually in Santa Cruz with one of my best friends from high school, she'd not seen it and seen the film in Yonks. And she had a projector. And I have to admit, we did smoke quite a bit of weed, (laughs) a shitload of weed. And then we were just like, we're going to watch fucking Lost Boys, dude. So we put it on and like the movie left me with more questions than answers. And I wasn't sure if that was the Mary Jane or if that was, it is kind of a silly movie, but in an amazing way, like you're just left uh, watching it as an adult. You're like, well, but what about this? Like, what about that? Like, it just, it just was not like, I, I, I wanted, I wanted another one basically. I wanted a good sequel. They've tried making sequels, but they've all been pretty poor.
0: Yeah, I've not come across a sequel. I don't think I want to,
1: no. It's best you stay away from the one that exists, I would I would suggest. Okay. That's my number one movie. My number two movie would be, again, I'm like so 80s, it's frightening. Uh, my number two movie would definitely be Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
0: You see, I thought that'd be number one. Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: Really? Have I mentioned that to you before? Just me being me, being me. you thought that'd be like my number one?
0: Uh, yeah, and also... I'm not, There's no spoilers for people who want to read the book, but the album that you picked, the Go-Go's album...
1: Is the Go-Go's on that soundtrack?
0: Yeah, they they, they opened that film.
1: Oh, do they? I can't... Okay, I, was, yeah. I clearly need to watch it again!
0: We Got the Beat opens that film.
1: Oh, okay, good, yeah. So definitely Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I clearly need to watch it again. It just really sums up that moment of what it was like to live in California in the early 80s. It's just so brilliant, and you you just know... You know, even if you even if you're like eighteen or nineteen, and you think you know the eighties, watch this movie because that was that was like what it was like. So that's brilliant. I'm up to number three now. It's a toss up. It's a real toss up. Can I have six by any chance or no?
0: Nah, no, it's gonna be five.
1: Then I have to say Valley Girl. Valley Girl is one of my all time favorite movies. Which people always like snark at that. They're like meh. but it's just the soundtrack on that. Like basically, that was the first record, the Valley Girl soundtrack that I looked for and hunted for, literally for decades. I finally, I literally just got it. I started looking for it when I was 11, and I just got it about two months ago. So, Valley Girl. Then I would have to say Pretty in Pink is probably number four.
0: Stunning film. Amazing. Yeah.
1: Every single character in that is just incredible.
0: I think that was on my co-host list.
1: Really? Because it's an amazing, awesome movie. And then, I, I was just saying to you before, this is not like an amazing movie, but I fucking love this movie. And like, I try to get everybody I know to watch it. It's called Willow Creek from 2013. And I have a total obsession with Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. Um, And like, basically it started because in fourth grade, our teacher, Mr. Levy told us that he'd gone camping and seen a Bigfoot. So I've always been like frightened slash not really believing, but kind of believing in them a little bit, like wanting them to be real. Um, and so Willow Creek, it's, it's kind of like Blair Witch Project, which is always like, oh, that's going to be crap. But it's actually terrifying. And like, I dare anybody to watch Willow Creek and then go camping.
0: All right, I'll do it. I haven't seen that film yet. So I'll, I'll have a watch.
1: If you need it, let me know. I can I can uh, send it over to you. Awesome. Willow Creek, people.
0: Brilliant. We will add those to our list.
1: Lost Boys, though, everybody has to see that. If you've not seen Lost Boys, then you suck.
0: We had a viewing pie for that on its 30th. Did you? Earlier in the year, yeah.
1: Did you think there was more questions than answers, or was that just, is that just the, the weed?
0: I remember watching it. I remember thinking about, oh, there was some issue I had with the head vampire.
1: There's, I mean, I don't remember all the issues I had, because this is like two years ago now, but yeah. I remember watching it going, that's not how I remembered it. Because I just, I don't know how I remembered it, but I remembered it just being much more like, this is it. This is the way it is. And instead I was left going, but what about this? What about that? You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, but still an amazing, awesome movie that is, should not be missed. Of course we have, oh, what's his name? Alex something. He was, he was a vampire in that and then goes on to be in bill and Ted with Keanu. So yeah, another, another great, great person. Oh my God. If I, if I had gotten this another movie, which I know I did not but the sure thing with John Cusack, sorry, it reminded me fucking brilliant. But anyway, I didn't get that. So don't add that to the <laughs> list. Um awesome thank you so much for having me on i super appreciate it
0: no worries uh, where can people find you on social media
1: they can find me at jen otter bickardy j-e-n-b-i-c-k-e-r-d on twitter or jennifer otter Bickerdike on facebook
0: awesome we'll put links in the show notes that would be fab no worries And you have some book tour dates coming up as well?
1: I do. I'm really excited. In London, there's going to be a signing on October 26th at 7pm at Rough Trade East in London. It's going to be myself and Julia Ruzica, who's the bass player for Future of the Left. Yeah, awesome band. She's hilarious and funny and smart. Um, And we're going to be talking to some other undisclosed special guests. So that's going to be really fun. And then we're going to have another one November 28th. And I'm completely nerding about this. November 28th, 7 p.m., at a place called Leaf, L E A F, Leaf in Manchester. And that's going to be me and Peter Hook of Joy Division, Joy Division, slash New Order, slash Peter Hook and the Light, the two of us. He's basically going to be interviewing me about the book. Amazing. That's going to be like me just freaking out.
0: That's a dream come true, isn't it?
1: It is. That is, that like literally is just like. Okay, like now I I can't believe it. Like if you would have told me that like five years ago, I wouldn't have believed you that, that was going to happen. So I'm really excited about that.
0: Is the ticket prices or is it free?
1: Free, all free.
0: Amazing. I am going to try and get down to Rough Trade.
1: Oh my god, please come to Rough Trade. And if and if we do the Birmingham one at some point, I want you to come to that one too. It's really funny because one of the reasons we didn't do Birmingham is because I was having I ha- I was had my heart set on. Remember I said a second ago. John Penny from Ned's Atomic Dustbin. He lives near Bar- Birmingham, and um I'm like, I really want him to do the in-store with me. I want him to do it with me. And like, I was asking my friends, does anybody know John Penny from Ned's Atomic Dustbin? And like, probably a week ago, out of nowhere, I got an email from him, being like, I hear you're trying to get a hold of me. I'd love to do an <laughs> event with you. And I was like, oh my god! So like, between that, like, between that and Peter Hook, it's like all my Britpop dreams have come true.
0: That's awesome. Living the dream.
1: Yeah, I'm living the dream, baby. But thank you so much for having me on, and thank you everyone for listening.
0: No worries. That's all for this week. I've been Brendan, and thank you all for listening. Until next time, take care and be excellent to each other.